And I'm joined once again by my great friends and co-hosts, Casey Mock and Hayden Ramsey. We had a week off last week to watch the NFL draft, but now we're back and fired up to talk a little bit about Big Ten football. Let's say hello to the boys. We're going to start with Hayden today because I believe Casey has some fun and exciting news for us. So Hayden, what have you been up to these last couple weeks? What's up, Wally? I'm proud to say baseball team, big dub. Big dub on Tuesday, six to five game played against Macomb, and really we actually played pretty decent. So it was a it was a real, real nice win. Get off the snide a little bit. Other than that, man, same old. And now let's go to our other co-host Casey Mock. I teased it a little bit there, but it sounds like you have a little bit of news to share with us, Case. Why don't you fill us all in? Yeah, Wally. I've had a heck of the past couple weeks, heck of a past couple weeks here. Lauren and I got the keys to our house on May 1st, so that was pretty awesome. Got a bunch of stuff that we want to do before we move in. But then Sunday, I finally asked her to marry me, and I somehow tricked her into saying yes. So (laughs) now she's still got some time to realize that she's way too good for me, but you know, I got the first step down. Yeah, so that that was the big news. How was your week, Wally? I, I mean, shoot, I know how your week was. Man, you, you got to live life at the draft. Okay, yeah, my week was great. We'll get to that here in a second. But you don't get to just do the old, oh, yeah, not a big deal. I got engaged, whatever. Let's just move on oh, real quick. come on. That's awesome, man. And even after I came over and ruined her car, even after Hayden lived with you guys and tried to probably sabotage you from within, the fact that you still have her, you have some kind of, some secret out there. That's all I've got to say about that. Yeah, I agree. I got really lucky. Um, <laughs> but no, it was awesome. So I guess I'll tell you how I did it, huh? I guess I haven't told you, Wally. Please do. Yeah. So I Saturday, she wasn't feeling well. Really, Friday, we found out that some people we had contact with had gotten COVID. I got a test real quick and came back negative. And she was getting her test done on Saturday, the day we were supposed to get our keys. And so I went and I got the keys and I was supposed to meet up with a floor guy Saturday. So she didn't want to go out there. And so it kind of worked out perfect. I was able to get the whole setup. I uh, ordered and bought a canvas that says the first day that we met and then will you and then I do and then the will you had May 2nd on there and then I bought a couple like picture frames hung up a bunch of pictures in there hung that up and then got her a bunch of flowers and then I had to try to get her out of there or keep her out of the house until like 2:30 our parents were going to come down she didn't know that my parents were coming down, but her parents were coming down just to see the new house. And so our realtor met us there to take the sold picture. And I was really nervous that she was going to go up upstairs and see all the stuff before you know I wanted to do it. And so I had to kind of plan out how I was going to get her up there myself without 
you know, her just walking up there. I, I literally stood in that room for probably like three minutes and I was just like, I don't know what the heck to do. I don't, I just walked downstairs and I was like, Hey, you need to come look at the floor up there. She was like, uh, okay. And then she walked up there and she saw the pictures and everything and she like freaked out started shaking so i hugged her and i'm glad i did because i was gonna start freaking out too and then i just was kind of talking to her and showing her the stuff and our realtor was recording like came in a little bit later and started recording it yeah popped the question blacked out a little bit i think and had to i was recording it on my ipad too in the corner and so after it all kind of settled down, I, I really didn't even know if she said yes or not. And so I, I reviewed the film and she said, of course. So I was good. But yeah, then our family came down and celebrated. We showed them the house and took a bunch of pictures and went out to eat. So really fun day. I'm super glad that everybody was able to come down and, you know, support us. And I'm obviously really glad that she said yes. Like a, a modern day Prince Charming. Yeah, no, that's that's not true, dude. I I literally had no idea if everything was like good enough. I was freaking out. I was, you know, FaceTiming her friends, sending them Snapchats and stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. And then I went Sunday morning. I told her I was going to the gym and I went back to Target and I bought some more stuff. I bought the the tables. I don't know if you've seen the pictures, Wally, or, or not. Uh, well, I'll send them to you anyway. So the tables, I was going to just originally have the flowers on the ground but i saw these tables that i really like these little stands i like and saturday i thought about going to get them but they were 90 bucks a piece and then sunday when i went back i was like oh i gotta go get them so i went and bought them and put them on there but yeah i was freaking out i just i didn't know if it was good enough or not and she loved it and so to call me a I don't know. Uh, romantic is inaccurate there, Hayden, I think. So you have the two huge announcements, right? You bought a house. Getting married. Is the third one coming that you're having a kid all of a sudden? I mean, is that out oh of the question? God, or dude. Already? We haven't even gotten married yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's the uh, first question people always ask you. I, I promise you. After, Right after you get married, that uh, people will ask you the next day. You don't even have time to enjoy it. The next day. Are you having a kid? No, I believe you. I believe you, but um, no, that is not the, well, it is the next step after, you know, we get married, but we haven't even set or really even thought about a date yet. So great question though. Okay. First of all, you, I already told you guys the other day when you told us the newest Casey, I'm such a, like, I'm basically a chick. I love chick flicks. I freaking love the romantic stuff. I love all this. I was like well enough when I got the text. It's even better hearing you talk about it right now. That's great. And also, I guess both of you, I'm rooting for you both to have kids right away. I'm ready for Uncle Wally to come into effect. This needs to happen. So we're moving on. Not only you, Caden, Casey, you both have a responsibility now. And I expect big things out of both of you. I think you need to chill out. Yeah, Hayden's been married for, what? what is going on, two years now? Time flies, man. Yeah, he's out here married for two years, and he can't even put a little little Ramsey out in the world for us to, to try to form into a Buckeye fan or Casey form into a not-watching-college-football, quote-unquote, Michigan fan. It would be great. So we need that. And we also need Casey. You're not far out of here now. We, don't, we know you haven't set a date. But we're kind of expecting big things. We expect a kid out of you, too. We're going to field our own football team with this group. 
Oh my, that that'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know about that, man. I don't know if I could handle. I'll try to produce the quarterback or running back or something. But I'm not I'm not doing the whole O line, man. I couldn't take that many. Hayden's the young one. Hayden's the one that has time to pop all them out. So that's all you, Hayden. That's a great point. See, I've always talked about the adoption line just because that way you can take the route of you get the same age. They play together. All of a sudden then I can have a bunch of Lukashinskis out there. I'm just trying to get the draft day picture with the arm around the sun. That's all I want in life. I'm going to have 50 kids if I have if I have to do it. Uh, 50 kids. I'm going to exponentially increase my odds. I can promise you that. Oh, Wally, man, that is hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because I'm not like like I'm super kidding about everything. But anyways, we'll change gears here. We'll start talking about what you came into the the show for. First of all, I will say this. Just my own quick minute to monologue because I know we'll be upset I didn't say this later. If you don't follow our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page, it's at P and N pod at P and N pod. This last week, I was in Cleveland for the draft. Blast of experience, by the way. If you follow any of those, you would have seen my gorgeous 285-pound frame up there in my Fred Bolitnikoff jersey just sitting in Roger Goodell's chair on day two of the draft while a couple future Hall of Famers are taken by the, the Las Vegas Raiders. It couldn't be any better. I, I literally still, to this moment, don't know how it happened, but it was great. I also met my future wife and Colleen Wolf. That's great. That's where we're going to get all the the future athletes in there. It's going to be a great time. Not an issue at all. She called me sweet, and that's great. Otherwise, I think we're ready to start talking Big Ten football, Big Ten basketball. I guess not so much basketball today, but Big Ten football nonetheless. What do you guys say? Yes, sir. Let's get it. We did not actually come up with the name. We're still looking for you guys. This is just as much a project for you fans as it is for us. We need the segment name of us doing this ranking system for Big Ten things. Now, Casey came up with this really good idea last week, and we're doing it this week. So we'll look to you guys before we figure out what our next ranking thing is for our show on the 14th of May next week. But this week, we decided we were going to do one Limit for one per school, but the top five best or top five most impressive football seasons since the year 2000 in the Big Ten. Now, I'm going to go over to the newly engaged man first, Casey. Let's hear your top five. Tell us kind of how you decided the metrics of this was going to be, because I know that's kind of tough when you go best or most impressive, because sometimes a six and six season can be more impressive than an 11 and one season from a different team. So kind of tell us your thought process and we'll go from there. Yeah, so I I kind of did a little bit of both. I kind of combined the most impressive season and it kind of just so happened that, you know, the the teams that I felt were the most talented were also in this top 5. All right, so um getting into the list at number 5, I have 2017 Wisconsin. The team went 13 and 1. They had relatively an easy schedule throughout the year until the Big Ten Championship. But honestly, they gave Ohio State a pretty good game that game. And then they went on to win the Orange Bowl and beat number 11 Miami to cap off a you know, pretty impressive 13-1 season. So that is the best Wisconsin team that I have since 2000. At number four is also a 2017 team. 
The Penn State Nittany Lions. I thought this team was loaded, uh, you know, led by Saquon, Trace McSorley. They had a scare early on at Iowa, but who the hell doesn't have a scare at Iowa? Rolled over a top 20 Michigan team, and then they lost that thrilling Ohio State game. I, I mean, JT Barrett's best game ever. Led Ohio State back. I, I think Penn State had, what, a 21-3 lead? At some point in that game. And then the, the next week, they lost to Michigan State by three after that like two-hour rain delay at halftime where I'm pretty sure they had a pretty nice lead at half two. And then they finished the regular or the rest of the season 11-2 and two beating uh, Washington. And uh, what was that? The Fiesta Bowl. I thought it was the Rose Bowl. Yeah, Fiesta Bowl. So they're my number four team. Number three here, I have 2016 Michigan. Had Spate not broken his collarbone against Iowa, I think, one, they beat Iowa. And then I think that Ohio State game is a little bit different. Now, I'd like to get your your opinions on that, but I don't know how the rest of the season turns out, but I think they win the Big Ten Championship. At 13-0, and no, had Spate not broke his collarbone and then who knows from there they finished that season 10 and 3 losing by one to iowa three to ohio state and then one to florida state that orange bowl game where they had a bunch of opt-outs and then jake butt blew his knee out but i think that was a top five team since 2000 of, of any of the teams with number two, I have Michigan State 2013. I think this team really kind of flies under the radar. They finished the season 13-1 and and 9-0 and in the Big Ten after upsetting Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. They ended up capping it off with a Rose Bowl win over Stanford. And their lone loss that year was 17-13 against Notre Dame. I mean, their defense really drove that team. They held Ohio State to 24 points, Stanford to 20 in those big-time matchups, and then they totaled 17 interceptions and 32 sacks as a unit. Now I think I'm going to save my number one and let you guys do your top five. I'm going to tease you a little bit. Even though all of our number ones are most likely from the same school and very good chance the same year, but I, I don't hate that idea. So we'll save your number one. We'll come back to you first to unveil our number ones. Hayden, do the same thing if you don't mind. Can you count down from five to two? Obviously, five being less impressive, quote-unquote, than the number two. So, Hayden, go ahead. Give us your number five through two, and we'll we'll come back to Case here in a minute. So, I think this is interesting because I think we're all kind of going to have similar teams in this bunch here. Starting at number five, I have... 2015 Michigan State, and that is because they're the only other school in the Big Ten to make the playoffs. So they, ha- I think they have to be in this list. They got beat 38 nothing, dude. Yeah, uh, sometimes the one versus four game's not very close. If we haven't noticed, I, I just think that has to matter. Going to the playoffs, I think has to matter. Next would be 2015 Iowa, and. They lost that tough game, the Big Ten title, to Michigan State. I forget what the exact score was, but I think it was like a three-point game, wasn't it? So they lost that game real close, and obviously Michigan State went to the playoffs. And I, and I think it's impressive for Iowa just because, you know, they're your traditional 8-4, and 9-3 and three team. I would have put them maybe a spot higher, but they lost in a not-so-close game to Stanford in the Rose Bowl. So I think that kind of dampered them a little bit. 
three, and Casey kind of hit on this one, was that 2017 Penn State team. That team was really, really good. And Saquon is an animal. He's a beast. If it wasn't for a miracle game at Ohio State, they would have won that. I mean, they were loaded. They were really good. And then the next week, Casey's mentioned also that that crazy weather delay. It was like a two-hour weather delay or whatever. So losing those games back-to-back, that really sucks. But that team was really, really good. I remember I was at that Ohio State-Penn State game, and I think Saquon took back the opening kickoff, and it was unbelievable. Like, that place was that place was rocking and ready to go, and then all of a sudden it was dead quiet. So that game was really fun to go to. And then my next team was same year, and was Casey had this team on his list. I don't know. He might have had at number five, though. Is 2017 Wisconsin. Obviously, they had JT. He was an absolute beast. And I also put on my list TJ Edwards. That dude was a first-team All-American. He was really good. So I, I give that team a lot of credit. They played Ohio State tough. That was was that a no, that was an overtime game, I think, in Camp Randall. So was it, wasn't that that year or no? Yeah, I just – what was your criteria for this list, Hayden? I looked at especially for – my top three would be like, overall talent on the team and you know i i looking back i probably could have switched two and three with penn state and wisconsin next i had to talk about playoff appearances there's only two teams in the conference who made the playoffs so they I think both of those teams have to be on the list i mean what what is a better way to represent a conference and then for four for iowa i just think with the expectations of iowa to do what they did that year i think was pretty good so that's why I would include them on my list. I'm just kind of confused how you have 2015 Iowa over 2015 Michigan State when they lost to Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship. Well, I, I, I that's a good point, but I think you kind of mentioned how the playoff game went for Michigan State. So 38 to nothing, but they still had, you know, they still they still were in the playoffs. So they have to be on the list, but losing that game 38 to nothing, I think, kind of dampers it. Even though, you know, Iowa did lose that game in a blowout, too. So, I guess I'm really just talking in a circle here. But Well, real quick. <laughs> yes. So, in, ironically enough, this game was on Big Ten Network a couple nights ago. And when I was bored, I was watching the Michigan State-Iowa game again. They are literally a half foot short of Iowa having a goal line stand there at the end of that game. And Iowa losing 38 or more to nothing to Alabama in that game. Cause that we talk about all the time, but the big 10 West has been soft. It's not that good. And Michigan state coming through with that. It's close. I, I can see both sides of the argument, but it is interesting that you would have Michigan state ahead of Iowa in 2015 opposed to vice versa. Cause I think you even mentioned it. Didn't Iowa get curb stomped in the Rose bowl? Oh yeah. They got absolutely destroyed against uh, Stanford. And then, I guess we're saving number one. I think, I don't know how we could argue a different number one, but I think we're all going to have the same number one. At least I think, I don't, maybe not. All right, that's a good first five through two there. Yeah, you're probably right. I think we're all on the same page, at least with the school. Who knows? Maybe we change a little bit with the actual season, but we'll go from there. But I'll give you my five through two. And here's the deal. I am a mess. When we did this rundown, Hayden and Casey can look at it. I literally listed 10 different seasons for this because I wasn't sure and I didn't want to. 
I don't know what the word would say. I didn't want to screw over any teams. So my criteria, I guess for me, would have been more impressive opposed to better because I'm happy that Casey put or mentioned that 16 Michigan team because I didn't put Michigan on my top five. And that wasn't like a slight at Michigan. It was simply that was if I was going on best. That's one of the best teams that the Big Ten seen in 20 years. That's right. It. That's kind of what I was doing in mine. I just, you know what, I'll save it because okay. I'll, I'll kind of get to it with my number one. So, yeah, I, I actually do like that. And if I, like I said before, going on purely best, that 16 Michigan team was outstanding top to bottom. And you mentioned if Spate doesn't get hurt, they beat Iowa. They beat Ohio State because a lot of people – you look, go back and you watch that game. It's hard almost even today as a Buckeye fan to watch because Ohio State doesn't feel – how often do we watch Ohio State in the last decade, even 15, 20 years, where you feel like they don't – they're not in the same class as the team to play in them. And I'm not going to go that far to say they didn't belong in the field as that Michigan team. They did ultimately win in overtime. That's a game without two pick sixes, without a fumble at the one-yard line, without – there's a million things you can go back to. And thankfully for Hayden and I as Buckeye fans, every single break went our way that day. A lot of times that ain't going to happen. And if Michigan wins that game, they're not going to have the Jabril Peppers of the world opting out in whatever. And that would have been a playoff appearance for them. Things could have been a lot different. They're not losing 31 to nothing to Clemson. I can tell you that much. That that Michigan team was a top four team. Anyways, I'm really spiraling off out of control. So anyways, my five impressive. I'm going to start with five. Nobody mentioned this team. The 2017, same year, different team. Northwestern Wildcats. They started the year two and three. They looked like garbage. Their only wins coming against Bowling Green in Nevada. What do they do after that? They win their final eight games, including a Music City Bowl against an SEC Kentucky team. I know Kentucky's not all that great, but again, this is a this is an impressive list. Casey's over here giving me the tongue out spit, thumbs down with this. This is an impressive list. That was the the game to me that really kind of changed the perception on Northwestern. They've won four straight bowl games. They've won four straight bowl games since that. They've been to the Big Ten Championship game twice now. Since that happened, this was a program-defining season for me. That's why I put that here. Now, I will go here to four. We were talking before about Penn State 2017, 11-2. It felt like everything had to go wrong for this Penn State team for them not to be in the playoffs. Very similar to that Michigan team in 16. You lose to Ohio State when you're up 18 early. If Again, it, you're up, what, I think three possessions in the fourth quarter. And if it wasn't for a block punt, who knows if that comeback happens. Then you lose in that Michigan State weather game, which if they play that 100 times, wherever they play, they're beating that Michigan State team 99 times. And it just so happened that was the one. Penn State was one of the four best teams. I like that Michigan team, and they fell short. So I'm going three now. For me, the third best team on this, or third most impressive season on this list, I'm going to end up going with Michigan State in 2013, not 2015. 2015, you have the iconic field goal that beats Ohio State. You have the block punt score touchdown 
against Michigan in the same year. Two of the most iconic wins in Michigan State's entire existence happened in the same year. But I think we can all also agree, yeah, that team was a playoff team. That wasn't even the best Michigan State team in that five-year period. Things fell their way. Things fell their way. It hurt people like Hayden and I for one day. The week before, it hurt Casey for a very different reason. Michigan State, that was a very good team, but 2013 most impressive. Their only loss was at Notre Dame early in the year. They go on and win a Rose Bowl against Stanford. They upended the 24-0 Urban Meyer Buckeyes. That was a very impressive year. And then, as much as I hate the scumbag, was a loser at all, with the Raiders. Didn't like him when he was a high school classmate of mine. Connor Cook stealing the Archie or the trophy from Archie Griffin. As much as I hated it, it was like they were the evil villains of the Big Ten, and they kept getting it done. As much as that hurt. And in my number two. Wisconsin, 2017, you guys already said it. I won't go into long detail. Big Ten West champs, Orange Bowl champions. Yeah, they lose to Ohio State in a game that Ohio State probably felt like they could have played better in, but they don't match up well. And the fact that they were able to keep that a six-point game where we were wondering in the final five minutes who was actually going to win, all the credit in the world to that 2017 Badgers team. For me, number two, we're going to throw it back to you, Casey. I think we're all going to have the same school as the number one best or most impressive season. Can't wait till you surprise us all and you go like the Rose Bowl with Z- like Ron Zwick with Illinois because we're a big Illinois football podcast here. Wow, how did you guess? No, actually, I'm going to go with Indiana. The 2020 Indiana squad. Let's go. This is what we're talking about. This is oh different. Oh my God. This is different. <laughs> yeah. No, I am straight lying. <laughs> okay, all right. Now, now we make more right. sense. Thank no, God. Yeah, you could you could throw a number of Ohio State teams on here, but the best overall team that I felt, and that's what I you know judged my list on, was 2019. And you can't tell me any different. That team was loaded at almost every position, and really 2014 and 2019 were the two teams that I was comparing. And when you put them neck and neck, man, I think Justin Fields just puts it over the top. Uh, the things he could do with his arm and his legs is why I believe they would beat the 2014 Ohio State team. But what a matchup that Ohio State LSU national championship would have been. We were robbed, fellas. You know, we were robbed. Ohio State outplayed Clemson for three quarters of that game. Settled for too many field goals, man. Uh, miscommunication with the lava and fields. That that game sucked. But anyway, that that team was beating the piss out of everybody that entire year. You know that clo- their closest game was Penn State, and that game didn't even really feel like a game. They brought in that uh, backup quarterback that kind of surprised Ohio State there for a little bit. But other than that, man, that game was in control. You know, you had Chase Young. I mean, Chase Young, Joey Bosa, you know, that kind of evens each other out. The weapons Ohio State had, Dobbins, Zeke, you know. Dobbins had just as good of a college career as Zeke did. I thought really highly of J.K. Dobbins. But anyway, um, I could go on forever talking about that team. It might be a little recency bias to me putting the 2019 Ohio State team over the 2014. But yeah, I figured I'd shock you guys a little bit and put the 2019 Ohio State team on there. I actually really appreciate the shock. And 
I don't think that we either agree or disagree with you. I think Hayden's on the same page as you and I where 19's better, but I'd love to hear from you, Hayden. Number one, I imagine it's a Buckeye team as well. Do you have 14, 19, or I'll even go as far to say, potentially the 0203 national champion that for whatever reason seems to get slept on here and there? I literally can't disagree with anything Casey said. And I had to, I debated this before I put this in our notes here. I didn't know. I, I think the 2019 is probably more talented, and I think Casey's right is Justin Fields is a difference. But the national title to me just has a weight to it that I, I think I just had to put them at number one. And Casey's right, that 2019 team, they were just beating the brakes off everybody, and they didn't really have a close game almost the whole year. I just can't not go with a team that won a national title. So that's why I put them number one. That team was fun to watch, too. I'll tell you what, they were so good at every position. that, that Absolutely. So they were my favorite Ohio State team to watch in the last 15 years. I mean, they were abs- They were just so fun, so good. Yep. Well, in a weird way, too, the fact that 19 felt so good, I think is part of the reason why 20 and what almost didn't happen in the Big Ten, what hurt Ohio State fans so much because the panic – that I sat there and thought, like, oh, my God, we're really only going to get one season of Justin Fields. We're only going to get one season of what this team could look like. That was literally scary. That was like you you kind of reevaluate. You're like, could this be a program-defining loss of a season? Thank God it didn't happen. We never had to figure that out. Now, I do love the O2 Buckeyes. They're not this answer, whether best or impressive, neither one. Impressive, you're, you can at least make a case because that Miami team was a wagon. But that 19 Buckeyes, you're great. You're right. They were a great, great team. I think that if you eliminate the quarterback position from both rosters, I don't you do that. Look, let me finish my saying here before we stop, Casey. Oh, that the most important position in all the sports. Okay, gotcha. Let me finish what I was going to say. If you look at the roster beyond the quarterback position, 14 was more talented. Now, 19 with – oh, we're going to have fun with this. Justin Fields literally changed the game. If you flip the quarterback position in 19 and 14, don't look at me. What I'm saying is that the roster top to bottom beyond the quarterback position was more talented in 14. I'll let you have your chance for rebuttal at the end. Anyways, here we go. So the 14 team for me, I was going impressive. Don't you edit me. Don't you edit me. I will fight you. Anyways, the 14 team was more impressive, and I'll tell you why. The fact that you lose that second game to Virginia Tech right after you go back from Navy, you go to Arlington, or not Arlington, you go to Maryland, and you play them. All of a sudden, I remember walking home from that game one and one. I'm like, well, shit, all right. This was the only chance we had to see a potential national title team with Ohio State, and Braxton Miller's arm blew up a month before the, the freaking game started. This team going and winning a national title. Let me throw out the national title for a second. Going and winning a Big Ten title with JT Barrett as a freshman all the way up until that Michigan game in the fourth quarter, then Cardale walking in, third-string quarterback, beating a Wisconsin team 59 to nothing before you win a classic, one of the best playoff matchups we've ever seen since it started, 42-35 against Bama, and then realistically completely dominating the Oregon Ducks. You win by 22. I know the late touchdown at the end 
kind of dis- like makes it a little different. But you had five turnovers in that game as a Buckeye, and you still win by 22. Top to bottom, it was more impressive to me. Now, I have to go to Casey first because Casey was re- ready to fight me, and I think this is going to be fun. Just tell me what you have to say. Your argument for 2014 being more talented is kind of crazy to me. I get that some of the 2019 Ohio State team, some of the players in the NFL still need to kind of make their mark. But man, in college, like I get Michael Thomas was on that 2014 team. But was Michael Thomas what he was now? No, he wasn't. And so I think he got, man, I'm just looking position by position and it's just, it's close. So I'm not going to say it's not close, but I can't say that 2014 was more talented, even taking out the quarterback position. See, I would, per, I know that you guys are really high and I am too on J.K. Dobbins. I think he's going to be a great back in the NFL. I think he was great as Ohio State back, one of the best ever. I would take Zeke personally. I think the offensive line was about a wash. I'd probably, personally, for my argument, I would give 14 the narrow edge for me because that helps me. The wide receiver room is, that's interesting because I agree. I think Michael Thomas wasn't the New Orleans Saints Michael Thomas yet. And I think Olave and Garrett Wilson and that wide receiver room in 19, I'd give the edge. Then you go to the defensive side of the ball. I think the biggest hang up for me was that our defense for Ohio State in 14, you don't have Chase Young. That defensive line still was very good. It's literally paper thin. Chase Young probably gives the edge in 19. But the linebacker position for me is probably where the biggest fall off. Oh my God, I can't do the tough Borland. I'm sorry. If tough Borland is playing decent snaps, I'm going with the full uh, team. Malik Harrison, Pete Warner. And I love both of those guys. The Darren Lee at the end of that season, that kind of linebacker core was better than the 19 core. I will go to my grave saying it. Hayden, can you help me out here? Yeah, Hayden, why don't you help us out here? Yeah, um, so as you guys listen to this podcast more and more and you start kind of getting a feel for our personalities, you'll know or notice that Casey and I usually don't agree on many things. We kind of butt heads a little bit. But in this situation, fuck you. Casey is it. A, fuck you. <laughs> he is a hundred percent right. I, I, I can't believe I, I, I can't believe Wally is taking the side. It, honestly, it kind of blows my mind. I don't really have any comments because I, I just don't see what Wally's seeing. I guess you know what I'm saying. Wally, let's go cornerbacks. Probably the second most important position in an Ohio State defense. 2014. Are you taking anybody over Arnett or uh, Jeff Okuda? No, absolutely not. I told you where I stand is linebackers, and I will go to war for the 14 linebackers. But in my opinion, you could say that Tough Borland and Raekwon McMillan were essentially the same player because Raekwon, hey, don't, don't get me wrong. Raekwon was a good player. He's a good tackler. But the reason why Raekwon isn't experiencing success in the NFL is because he's just not the modern-day linebacker, whereas neither was Tuff Borland. And we've said this before. If Tuff Borland was, you know, 20 years ago, he'd be a damn good linebacker. But, you know, he doesn't fit in today's game. And I don't really think Raekwon does either. Well, what about our boy Joshua Perry? Obvious follower of the podcast here. We're great friends because he follows us on uh, social media. So, I mean, I'm just saying I would take the speed element 
for that 14 team. And I know I'm not talking about comparatively because, you know, it's one of those things where like the game's faster even five years ago. I would the purely on the speed, the ball skills, guys like Darren Lee always seeming to be there for the scoop and score, being there for the pick six. The linebacking core to me, I would take the 2014 Buckeyes over the 2019 any day of the week. And that was the difference. Obviously, the quarterback position, like I said, better team was 19. I agree. But the whole thing was I thought 14 was more impressive. Whoa, that's I think that's the first time you said that 19 was better than 14. No, 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 no. I said earlier that this list for me was based on more impressive that I thought 14's roster beyond the quarterback position was comparable, and I would say that 14 was right there. All right, we'll have to review this, but I'm pretty sure that you said 14 was better. That's why you got Hayden Nye's panties in a bunch. 14 beyond the quarterback position, I would argue, is still better. That was what I said originally, and I would stand by it. But I, I just don't know how you say beyond the quarterback position when that's the most important position. In what? Do you, I, I just don't know what you're saying. Like, yeah, of course, if you put Justin Fields on 2014 Ohio State, yeah, that, I guess that makes your point, but... But, that, that, but I, that was the point, is that I just said if you flipped the quarterback position, 14 would be obviously exponentially better. I, I understand that beyond the quarterback. I, I, I don't know. You've got to put it in perspective, though, too, because, all right, let's, let's be honest. That 2014 Alabama team was the worst Alabama team of the decade, okay? And so you didn't run into a Trevor Lawrence or uh, a Joe Burrow if you would have won. You know what I'm saying? So... I think you got to kind of bring in that element too, man, Wally. I I didn't think it would be this tough on you, man. See, and the thing for me is that it's a shame that we lost out on 15 because of that Michigan State game because Ohio State decided just not to run the ball. Because who knows? Maybe we're not having this discussion because of that 15 team, which effectively they just ran it back from the year before. If they go and play that Alabama team, who knows? Maybe I'm just sitting here. I feel like this never happens. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too romantic about the idea of that Ohio State team in 14, the national titles weighing on my mind too much. I agree because of the quarterback play, 19's better. I just truly think beyond the just a simple quarterback position, I would take the roster of 14. But I will say this, before we get going, like we we have a show to do and we haven't even really started. So I'll let you guys, not me, I'll let you guys get the final word and then we'll go on and throw it uh, to our actual stories this week. Yeah, I guess final word is I don't know how you just say besides the quarterback position, but that, that's it. I Nothing else. Yeah, and for my final word, I would still take 2019 over 2015. Yeah, I mean, totally, because I did say uh, 19 was a better team. But that's okay. It's no problem. We'll switch it. We'll switch gears. It's all right. Casey, you say, you tell me what you yeah. want to say. You're screaming in the mic. So you're saying outside of the quarterback position, right? Yes. You would rather take 14? Yes. Is it close? Yes, it's close. It's very close. But I would take the roster beyond the quarterback position for 14 over 19. Okay. Okay. Let, let's move on before I get a stroke. Yeah, I'm going to get a stroke too. We're all just going to stroke out and nobody's going to be able to get to even get mad at me because evidently I am uh, in the minority here. Can't wait. to. This might be a poll. This is going to be a poll this week. We're going to have to share out who do we think is better, the 14 or 19 bucks. I, I won't even Twitter say. Poll. 
Yeah, I won't even say better quarterback or whatever. I just think that it's going to be closer than you guys think. Even asking just straight up. But whatever. We're going to get into topics now. We're actually going to talk about non-Ohio State for a moment. Let's start off with this. We're talking college football playoff. We're talking national titles. Last week, before the draft, the college football playoff subcommittee brings up expansion options. I just wanted to ask you guys, what do you think this is going to do for Big Ten teams besides Ohio State? Who does this better impact or who does this benefit most? Is this going to be Wisconsin, Michigan, Penn State, or some other team? To be honest with you, really not sure what other Big Ten team it benefits. But if I had to say that it does benefit a team, I would say, surprisingly, whoever finishes second in the East. Because like, I mean, we just went through our list. A few of those teams that we thought were the best were second in the East and didn't even get a chance to play in the playoff. So it'd be interesting to see how many teams they're thinking. I don't know. Did you guys hear what the number was as far as teams were? Six or eight. I'm not sure which, though. Ah, see, and I love the idea of six. I love the idea of six. Give one and two a bye. Let three, six, four, five play out a little, uh, a little quarterfinal, I guess. Anyway, yeah. So I would say it's it benefits the uh, the second pl- place team in the East, whether it's Michigan, Penn State, or I mean, hell, even Indiana last year. Yeah, if it goes to six, I don't think it's gonna benefit anybody else in the conference really I think I don't I just like if like Wisconsin maybe but if they lost in a Big Ten championship like losing the week before a playoff like Casey said that kind of screwed you so six I don't I'm gonna say it doesn't really help anybody but eight I definitely agree with Casey I think it could help like a a Penn State or Michigan or hell even if was like let's say Wisconsin can you know let's say they run the table in the regular season losing the Big Ten championship game I think they would get in at 12 and 1 as, you know, somewhere as a 7 8 seed, something like that. So yeah, I think 20, Wisconsin is a. What's that? Yeah, 2017, Wisconsin gets in the playoff if, you know, it, it's eight, eight teams. You're killing me, Casey, because I was just about to say 2017 with eight teams, you could see three Big Ten teams. Not only do you have to worry about Ohio State, you're also thinking about that. Wisconsin team you're also thinking about that Penn State team as well it could do eight is a lot bigger difference than six well you can even look at it uh we were just talking about what 2016 Michigan that's a team they would have went to the even if the, the outcomes stay the same they're going to the playoffs that year if it's eight teams so yeah and maybe I, even I, Penn I, State I, that year too right that was yeah, a so, kick yeah r- really it's benefiting mostly your second place. Casey hit it on the head, man. The second place Big Ten East team, I think, is going to be the biggest benefiter. Is that a, is that a word? Benefiter? Sure. Beneficiary. beneficiary. <laughs> the, the beneficiary of an 18 playoff. I'm very good at English, people. I'm, I, I majored in it in college. Okay, yeah. No, I, I'm actually very much on the same page with you. I'm going to just say I'm rooting as a college football fan for eight. I know six makes more sense to figure out the best team, but as a fan of college football, I think eight would do really good just because imagine uh, a situation where Ohio State is the number one seed and they get the host, I don't know, Florida, let's say in January 1st or December 30th. I don't care what it is. 
at the horseshoe. Imagine how cool that would be. The optics of it would be great. I think it does wonders for college football. It's just a matter of do you think you'd actually see it? I see Hayden, your hands up. I have a question because I don't really know, and I obviously it's probably not decided, but do you think that if it was a 16 playoff, the it'd be the three and the four, they get a home game? Or would it still be just a neutral site like they have it just at a, you know, just a neutral site to keep it that way? I Personally, I think the home, like a home game for the top, the higher seed or the, the lower seed, I guess, would be phenomenal. I think that would be great. But I, I just don't know if the NCAA would do that. Yeah, imagining like a situation where I'm trying to think, uh, like Wisconsin, the Badgers at Camp Randall host LSU in the first round. Like, up in snowy Lambo, how cool that would be. Or Camp Randall, either way. But you know how they do that. Casey, I saw your hand up, too. Please, I would love to hear what your take would be. But, yeah, I, I'm all for home and roads for one verse eight, two, seven, three, six, four, five. Yeah, so I'm in the camp of the regular season has to matter. And so with six games and giving one – or with six teams in and giving one and two a bye, you're rewarding one and two for having the best regular season. And so that's why, man, as much as I would love to see eight, I think I'm more towards six, but I wouldn't want it to get any higher than eight. No, I don't think that there's a chance they go higher than eight. I think eight's perfect for college football. You get one round of home and road matchups. Then you get into like the neutral site where you play in the Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, etc. And then you have one more. I think eight's perfect. I think eight's what everybody wants. In that scenario, you have five power five champs. You have the top group of five team. And then you have two at-larges. That's how I would do it, but who knows. Oh, Casey, again. Let's go. We're going to war. Let's go. No. No (laughs) way, man. You can't guarantee all five Power Five conferences because the Pac-12, man, is uh, – East Coast bias, baby. But when your conference champion is nine and four, you don't deserve to be a top eight team and make it to the college football playoff. That is just ridiculous. And then same with same with the group of five teams. You know, we've seen in recent history, yes, there's been really good Cincinnati, Boise State teams. But what happens if the best power five school is a nine and three Nevada? You know, they don't deserve to be in the playoff. All I was going to say is, Hayden, you better side on my side this time. It's up to you now. We're going one-to-one. You're the deciding vote yet again. What are you thinking? I'm actually, I, I, like I was just, I'm going to side with neither. Go to hell. Because I, I, I don't want, I, I want a 16 playoff. I don't want an 18 playoff. And the reason I say that, what, is that what you said, whoa. Casey? You said six? Oh yeah, you, you're on my side. But, there, but we were just talking about eight, though. Oh, I swear to God, I thought you said 16. Uh, I didn't hear 16. I, okay, that makes six, me six, six. Okay, that makes me feel better. Oh, no, I'm, I'm on four six. Okay, well but, then, sorry, Wally. Yeah. I'm with Casey again because I don't, do not want to watch a one-seed Alabama who is 13-0 play Boise State in a bowl game and win 55 to nothing. I'm sorry. We've already, we already see that with a one-versus-four game. So I don't want to see that two weeks in a row when they play the four seed again after they beat an eight seed. 
Sweet. So you guys can both fuck yourself. All right. We're going to transition here again because we are going to have a little bit of a longer show. This was expected because of the post-draft. Yeah, I am crying, Hayden. Send a fucking Skype message. That's fine. Paul Christ, he got a... He got an extension beyond 2025 and 2026, just like Greg Gard of the Wisconsin Badgers basketball program, along with four other head coaches. But this is a football and a basketball podcast. We're going to focus on those two guys here. Paul Chris, he took over in 2015. He has a record of 56 and 19 with the Badgers. So I want to go to you guys. Uh, whatever you guys say, you'll agree with each other tonight. So you guys can go to hell. Anyways, how high is this Wisconsin Badgers football team ceiling with Graham Mertz? They went four and three and 20. The losses came to Northwestern, Indiana, and Iowa, and they scored a combined 20 points in those games. What do you guys got to say? I just got to say that my fiance just brought me some canes, so I'm pretty jacked, but I'll let Hayden go first. No wonder you guys are getting Oh my married. God, I'm so jealous. I might be crazy, and maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but wasn't Mertz, he had COVID, right? Like he was out. What, was it one game or two games, maybe? Uh, I can't remember. I he missed at least one game. You know what? I can't remember either because I know they went on that like two-week pause right before the Michigan game, and he, was, he played in the Michigan game. So I'm not sure if like after the Illinois game, he and a bunch of other teammates got it, and then they took that two-week pause, but he, he, he might have got it, yeah. Okay, well, I guess regardless... The point that I wanted to get across is I think they'll go as far as Mertz will take him. You know what I mean? Like, it's to, it's to be determined how good he is. And we saw flashes of it. And, you know, week one, I think they played Illinois and won by a million. And he looked really good. or some, it, He only had, like, one incompletion or something like that. Looked really, really good. Yep. But then we had some other games where he looked like a freshman, kind of came back down to earth. So to be determined on how good he is, you know, if he, you know, takes a step forward, they could be really good. You know, Wisconsin always is solid. They've always just lacked that quarterback play. If they can get that, then, yeah, they can take a big step forward. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that their running back position, though, is kind of also up for grabs. Jalen Berger showed some signs of you know, being able to be that top back. But, you know, acknowledging the expectations, and I know we talked about this uh, either two weeks ago or our first episode, but the expectations of Wisconsin, I think the extension is well-deserved. I think Chris, out of his previous five years before this COVID season, had won 10 games four times. And so I think that, that itself deserves an extension, but the fact that he's 5-1 and one in bowl games is also extremely impressive. So, good, you know, good for Paul Chris. This goes back to, honestly, a conversation we had even weeks ago with the Barry Alvarez talk, but since Barry Alvarez has been a Wisconsin Badger, Casey already said it, but Barry Alvarez, we talked about this a few weeks ago in episode one. He elevated the expectations of this was this Wisconsin Badgers football team program. Simply since then, Brett Bielma, he elevated them even further. He went to three straight Rose Bowls. Yeah, they kind of fell off towards the very end of that. Sounds like he was kind of getting a little disinterested in Wisconsin. Obviously, he left. He went to Arkansas, which we talked even a few weeks ago. That's at best a lateral move. 
don't understand it. Then you have Gary Anderson do a similar thing. He's there for like a year and a half, a cup of coffee. He's like, oh, this is great. You know what sounds even better? Oregon State Beaver football. That sounds fun. So good for him. Have fun. Awesome. Paul Chris comes in. Has there been a guy since Barry Alvarez that just screams Wisconsin football more than Paul Christ? He's perfect for them. He's the overweight white dude, mid-50s, just like, hey, let's run the ball 40 times a game. That sounds pretty good. Let's win this game 16 to 14. Even better. I love this extension. You want to talk about an identity. Wisconsin has their identity. And good for them. He's going to continue and elevate this team. Maybe not elevate, but they're going to still win the 10 games a year. Casey said it. Four or five years, but with excluding COVID, this team wins 10 games. For a program like Wisconsin, that's as good as it can get. you got to love the situation you guys have right now. I'm happy. I really don't have anything else to add to that. I'll let you guys, if you have anything else, we'll say it. Otherwise, we're ready to move on. They're shaking their heads. We're moving on right now. So rumors. Oh, I do want to say, um, <laughs> obviously you guys can't see us, but we're having an absolute blast right now. We're making fun of each other and it's really fun. I love yeah, this show. This episode has been awesome. This show is going to be a lot of fun. I Not to talk about anything that I've done elsewhere, anything else. This just has the feeling of something that got staying power at the least i don't care if it's the three of us listening to it just ourselves this is so much fun we're gonna keep doing it i hope you guys enjoy it as well but we are going to transition i I know that this is hard to believe we're gonna talk a little bit about ohio state football i know i know you guys are like we don't talk enough about them so we're going to just for you guys right here tennessee linebacker henry 2020 do i say that right is it 2020 Tua, 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 Henry, whatever. His last name's sweet. Just throw out the apostrophe and you got 2-2. That's all I know. What we have is Crystal Ball saying that Ohio State might have their linebacker. We love to talk about the Ohio State linebacker position tonight. This guy right here can elevate this defense. Hopefully, because this is the thinnest part going into next year. The thing that a lot of people were worried about was this Ohio State linebacking core. Hey, okay, here we go yet again. Casey's shaking his head. He doesn't worry about it, but I I do want to hear your guys' thought. Do you think that he really will elevate this defense to another level if he comes? Well, what do you guys think? I'm going to let you go. Hayden, go to hell. Your hand's up. Casey had his hand up first. We're going to Casey first. Hayden, go right after. No, I saw. What uh, site are you seeing this crystal ball from? 247? Okay, yeah, so I only saw one of them. But no, I... (laughs) Oh, man. I just think that this new wave of linebackers for Ohio State, I mean, we kind of discussed Tough Borland a little bit. I just think this new wave of linebackers is going to be a lot more athletic. I'm not sure if they'll produce the way. I mean, I guess we want them to. But I just think the, the linebacking room will be fine. For Ohio State. I, I just think anytime you add an All-American, this dude was an All-American at Tennessee. Anytime you can add that into your room, well, he was he not? I'm he almost was. positive he was. Well, last year then, right? Because he had a great year last year, but he, I mean, he yeah. was. Wasn't he an all right all, let, let me Let me Google this to make sure, but I'm almost positive he was. Well, you're going to have to do some major editing. Do, 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 do. I don't even know how to spell his name. That's a sad thing. It's T-O apostrophe O. T-O apostrophe O. Figure it out. 
I guess he was named to the first team freshman All American. Okay, my, my fault. Wow. Um, oh yeah, big big fucking mistake. My God. Either way, anytime you can add that kind of depth to your room, I think it's big. And especially with losing three guys, I, I, I think no experience coming in, really. If you can just add that to your room, I think it makes you better. Now, I will say I was looking forward. Casey kind of hit it on it on these <laughs> younger, but they're not really younger anymore. I, I should say inexperienced guys who are going to get a chance to play. If he were to come in, I kind of do feel a little bad for whoever's going to be the odd man out. I don't know which one it would be. But, you know, whoever that guy is, that dude put his dues in. Most of them are going to be in their third year. And for a guy to come in and transfer and get immediate eligibility, I think would kind of suck. So I do kind of feel bad for whoever that odd man out is. Yeah, but in my opinion, it could be Henry. I think Ohio State's linebacking crew is that talented that he could transfer in. I'm not saying he's not talented, but I think that they are deep enough. They, they're inexperienced, but they are good enough at that linebacking core that he could very well be the odd man out. You're on meth. Uh, You're good, Hayden. I was just going to say, he's insane for thinking that he's going to be the odd man out. Yeah, have your open mouth shock face. I, I Well, first off, I think we're underestimating how, how difficult it is to come in and then in three months learn a playbook and expect to start right away. That That's probably 40% of my concern that he might be the odd man out. Now, let me get on these uh on this roster right here that I have in my tab and then I'll get back to you after that. But I'm not I'm not bowing out yet. I don't think I'm wrong yet. There's absolutely no way this guy is going to transfer to Ohio State and be the odd man out. If he that would be literally the biggest There's just no way. I don't see how that's even possible. I mean, he'll play but who's that guy that you were raving about, Hayden? Oh, I love me some Craig Young, but they kind of play a different position, Craig? though. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I think, honestly, the odd man out, if he were to come to Ohio State, would be Taraja Mitchell. And I really feel bad for that dude because that dude has put years. I mean, he he's going to be in his third year, I think. And, he's you know, he's played special teams and hasn't gotten a ton of reps. But do spend a lot of time, and if somebody comes in and just transfers in, takes a spot. Also, I have his pronunciation. Um, I'm looking at utsports.com. It's to-to-o. So, like, to, and then o, to-o, to-o. Exactly what I said. It was, you probably just had it muted or something. It's to-o, to-o, not to-o, to-o. Yeah, there was something on. Casey, go ahead. I can tell you were having a brain aneurysm right before this happened. If you are still clicking, please, uh, please tell us why you're wrong. Yeah, I just don't understand how we're kicking Taraja Mitchell off to the side, man. I, I get that Henry has more playing time, but Taraja Mitchell was a top 45 recruit. And he was sitting behind a four-year starter in Tough Borland and then Pete Warner. Like, I, I just, I'm not really sure why we're kind of kicking Taraja Mitchell to the curb here. I, I should clarify. I don't mean, I, I'm not wishing this and I don't want it to happen. I'm just saying I think he would be the guy. And I know he was very highly rated, but push comes to shove. And if you're not on the field after year three, year two, usually something is not going right. You know what I mean? So 
I'm still whole. I, I, you know, when he committed, I thought he was going to be a stud, and he hasn't played at all. So I certainly don't wish it, but I just think he would be the the odd man out. Well, for better or worse, that's going to be the end of Buckeye talk right now. We're going to switch on over to Michigan State. We're going to the state up north. Michigan State's draft, I guess, record for the Big Ten streak is over. They did not have a guy drafted the other day, this last weekend for the NFL draft. The only reason we put this in here is, again, you want to have another us arguing each other? I think you're going to have two heels come together and high-five each other with Casey and I. I think it's going to be Hayden alone here arguing against Casey and myself. Michigan defensive analyst, new defensive analyst, Ryan Osborne, quote tweets this with, this is the exact quote, hate to see it, hashtag go blue. I look at this and I'm like, you know what? This is what college football needs. This is what we want. We want that rivalry. We want that personal reason to root for a team one way or another. You want, no matter, I don't care if this is UTSA and Texas East playing each other. I want that rivalry. Rivalries are fun for sports. Now, Hayden, on the other hand, get the Jerry Springer booze ready. He's out here. He's saying, you know what? No, this makes Michigan look bad. It's a little bit of a joke. They're willing to like joke about a team that's not got drafted players the year after you lose to them. So, Hayden, we're going to go to you first before Jerry Springer-like. We're going to bring Casey in from the left, and he's going to start fighting and swinging on you, and we're going to go on from there. We're down to our last few subjects of the day. Hayden, tell us what you think. I guess I have really strong opinions on this. And I honestly, I didn't think I was in the minority, but I guess I am. I get, you know, you're saying, yeah, this is what makes college football fun. And yeah, I kind of agree. But before he, this is the problem I have. Okay. And, and I hate to pick on Michigan because actually I don't hate it. I like to pick on Michigan, but we, we do this every off season. And this time it just happens to be with Michigan state this time. And I understand, yeah, it's kind of funny, haha. Ha, Michigan State didn't get a dry drafted. Okay, they were not very good last year, haha. Ha, funny, but you lost to that team. How can you go? I don't understand how you're posting on Twitter, kind of making fun of them. Hate to see it when you literally you had not Michigan had nine draft picks and they lost to a team with none. So, and I get it. This guy's new. He wasn't part of last year's staff. I just don't. I don't see how this benefits. I don't, I don't see how it fires them up. I just think it makes them look more embarrassing than, than what last year already was. So I, I really just, I can't understand what this guy was thinking when he decided to tweet this. Ding-ding-ding. And now for your challenger, Casey Mock. Let's hear what you have to say about why Michigan is allowed to talk shit to Michigan State. Yeah, I think that this is Michigan's biggest problem is that they, you know, think they're better than everybody. What you know, with Michigan State, he's on my side, Wally. Tonight's been a fucking joke. (laughs) You know, they they just think that you know their academics are just so much better than everybody, and their tradition is so much better than everybody that they can kind of poop on Michigan State. Because they've never been good at football, really, except for the past, you know, maybe 20 years. And then Ohio State, they poop on Ohio State because we have better or they have better academics. I was talking from a Michigan coach's perspective, not me as a fan. When I said we, I missed I misspoke. 
But, yeah, I just think, I mean, this just plays right into how, you know, Michigan is. I don't think it's going to change unless they have a new uh, coaching staff, really. I mean, I think Harbaugh kind of leads leads them to believe that. Yeah, I, I love You really hate to see it, Wally. You really hate to see it. <laughs> Two against one. I think this is the third time tonight. You really hate to see it. It's fine. You know, I watched WWE growing up. You know, the best players, the best wrestlers, they always had to fight handicap matches. It's two on one. I'm just the undertaker of this podcast. I don't care. You think I care? I'm glad you guys disagree with me. I know I'm in the the proud minority. So whatever, that's fine. You guys can hate having fun. You can hate programs talking shit to each other. It don't bother me. If for once I'm on Michigan's side, talk down the little brother. They deserve this shit. But whatever, we'll change the subject yet again after I get shit on. Oh, Casey, go ahead. Say what you got to say. Talk down to him? How can you say go ahead and talk down to little brother when, like Hayden said, you had nine draft picks and they had zero and you still lost to them last year? I'm not saying that what happened last year is okay, but to talk shit, that's part of football. That's part of what you do. He left us speechless, I think. I'm literally speechless. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I, what do you say to that? Yeah, Because you're right, but like, I don't know. You, you shouldn't if you just lost to a team that is fucking terrible. Hope you guys have really enjoyed episode three, because this is probably our last fucking episode of this shit. Uh, anyways, we're going to change subjects. Maybe somebody will agree with me eventually. That's okay. It don't matter. Anyways, draft takeaways. Real quick, this is going to be a quick subject. I know, Hayden, you're not a giant NFL guy, so we won't talk much about it. So what we're going to do is, Casey, for you first, I want to just hear what your Big Ten draft takeaways were. And then, Hayden, immediately after, you're the Buckeye guy, like the Homer Buckeye. So let's hear what you have. Do you have any guy that you should be extra excited about or whatever that you saw that maybe was an interesting fit, maybe a bad fit, whatever. Go from there and now come back to me. Yeah, so overall, my biggest takeaway was how distant the SEC is from everybody. Uh, I mean, we could use Alabama as an example alone, but they set the all-time record for most draft picks in a, uh, from a conference in 2021 with 65. Do either one of you want to guess who held the record previously? What was, was the, the exact question for, for your draft record? What was it? Yeah, most draft picks by conference. Honestly, I would either say Big Ten or Pac-12 or Pac-10 back then. I'd probably say in the 60s or 70s. Well, I told you that the SEC set a record with 65 draft picks in 2021. I said the years 60 through 70. Thanks so much, Casey. You want to shit on me so bad, you're missing your shots. Hey, you know what? Whatever. You win some, you lose some, and you've lost more than you've won today, Wally. But anyway, yeah, so the previous record was 2019 SEC with uh, 64 players drafted. I just, I mean, it just shows. It really does show on the football field. In the past, what, 15 years, the SEC's won how many? Can Does anybody know how many national championships they've won? Isn't it like 11 out of 15? There was a stretch up until Jameis Winston's Florida State team. I think they won every year from the year Florida beat Ohio State in 06 to what was that, 14? So it was probably eight years. And even since then, they've probably won over 50% of the national titles. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, they had 65 people drafted 
And the second highest was the Big Ten with 44. Now, while 44 is great, it just, I don't know, that's just what stuck, stood out to me. And also, you know, Justin Fields going to Chicago, I thought it was interesting that he fell that far, first off, but that Chicago was the ones that traded up for him. I thought it was going to be New England. I, I, it, it just made more sense for New England to do it, sit behind Cam Newton for a year and then take over. But other than that, you know, there are kind of there are a few draft picks that I really liked. I liked Trey Sermon going to San Francisco. I liked Greg Newsom going to the Browns. I, th- I thought Quiddy Pay going to New England. I just thought those were really, really good fits for you know those Big Ten programs. Yeah, well, he said I'm not really a big NFL guy, which is true. I'm really not. But some interesting things Casey kind of said. Justin Fields falling that far. You know, that, that kind of surprised me a little bit. Thank God, Sanford's, and I kind of don't like their pick at all anyway, but thank God they didn't draft Mac Jones. I, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. I didn't. I thought that was a mistake. If that would have happened, thank God it didn't. What has Trey Lance done that Mac Jones has? I just said I didn't like the pick. Oh, I thought you were saying that if they would have taken Mac Jones, you wouldn't have liked the pick. I wouldn't have liked either pick if it was Mac Jones or Trey Lance. I wouldn't have liked either one. But back to kind of what I was getting at. I think Fields falling to Chicago is actually maybe a little bit of a blessing for him. You know, that defense in Chicago is really good. If he, and I don't know if he'll, if he'll play right away. I don't, I'm not sure. They have like Andy Dalton on the roster, I think. But if they could get decent quarterback play, you know, they went eight and eight last year. It's not like they were horrible. That defense is really good. They just got to find some offensive production. So I don't think that's a horrible spot for him to go. And the last thing I kind of want to touch on is I feel really bad for Sean Wade. That dude, and I know Buckeye fans and just college football fans in general kind of give him some shit you know he didn't he didn't have a great season last year that dude lost a lot a lot of money like millions of dollars and I feel really bad that he fell that far you know you just really hate to see it because you do see guys that do come back for example Ohio State Damon Arnett came back and made himself some money so you kind of think oh maybe Sean Wade come back he'll he'll make make himself some money by make being a higher pick and he just fell completely off the face of the earth I just felt really bad for him yeah, he was one of those guys that we really thought that when he came back the way, at least I thought, maybe, I think most people were probably thinking like me, it was another Ohio State DB that's going to go number one, another corner that's going to be a top 10, top 20 pick, whatever. Yeah, you feel bad for these guys, but I do want to say really quick, the guys that stood out to me good-wise, I loved Rashawn Slater going to the Chargers. I felt like that was about as good of a fit as it could have been for him. The Chargers are one of those teams that they never seem to stay healthy on any side of the ball, but the offensive line has been a problem for them for a decade plus. And when they're healthy, they have a good team. They have a good line. They feel like a team that can go from five wins with a 17th game added. I could truly see the Chargers being a 10-win team next year and potentially sliding in as a last part of that wild card picture in the NFL. I love what that addition was. I didn't think there was a chance in hell Slater would be there at 13. Now, what I will say, I'm not going to touch on the Buckeyes. Hayden did a great job with that. Michigan, I loved last year Donovan Peoples-Jones going to the Browns. It felt like a great fit. They used him really well. We talked before the draft about how Nico Collins was going to be a really good player somewhere in this league. He has that potential. 
what sucks for him is he went to arguably the worst dumpster fire in the entire NFL right now in Houston. I honestly felt bad for the guy because you have the question now of who's going to be throwing him the ball? Could it be Deshaun Watson? The way things have been going, I really do think that there's a legitimate chance we've seen the last down Deshaun Watson's played in the NFL. And I hope – no, I don't want to say I hope I'm wrong because that's that's an entirely different discussion because you don't want those women to be lying. It's it's That's a lot. I'm not going to talk about that. But there's a good chance that Watson is done. And if that's the case, is Tyrod Taylor going to be throwing him the ball? Or is David Mills going to be throwing him the ball? That doesn't seem like a perfect fit. I felt bad for him because I do think he has the same power to be a good NFL receiver. Didn't feel great. Whatever, whatever. But Casey, I know that you wanted one more thing to say before we throw it into our final topic. You know what? Surprise, surprise. Back to Ohio State football. Yeah, so real quick, I wanted to know what your thought was about Micah Parsons going to Dallas. Because that's a crowded linebacker room and you've been loving linebackers tonight with Leighton Vander Esch and uh, Jalen Smith. So I just wanted to see how you thought Micah Parsons fit into the uh, linebacker crew there at in Dallas. First of all, I do think that Dallas was dead set on Patrick Sertan. And when Denver took him at nine, I think that they, not to say panic, but they realized that they had to figure out what to do. And moving down two spots with Philly, even in division, made a lot of sense for them. So they said, you know what? That's fine. You come up. You get whatever you have to get. They take Devontae Smith. Great pick, by the way. If he stays healthy, I think it'll work out. But for Dallas, there's a genuine case to be made that they got the best defensive player in the entire draft with Mika Parsons. And what I will say is that Leighton Vanderesh, I'm pretty sure I saw yesterday or today they did not pick up his fifth-year option, which makes it seem like they are actually willing to go the Parsons route and say, hey, you know what? We appreciate your contributions. You will be in the NFL, but we don't need you to be the guy. We want Parsons to basically be that number one uh, piece on that defensive. I don't say backfield. You know what I mean? The defensive side of the ball. So I think that Parsons in Dallas could actually be a good fit. Maybe them declining his fifth-year option. It could just be... You see with like the Raiders, they do Richie Incognito. They bring them back with this lesser deal. Maybe it's just like, hey, Vander Esch, we really want you, but we don't want to pay as much for you. I don't know. But you to answer your question, I don't think that Parsons is going to have an issue getting on the field with the Dallas Cowboys this upcoming year. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he will either. But just like, I mean, is that? I just think that's got to be the best linebacking trio in in the NFL. But anyway, going to going to Nico, you know, <laughs> Wally, I hate to pile on you here, man, but I just I I don't see Houston is a dumpster fire as an organization, I get it. But as far as the quarterback situation there, whether Watson's there or not and you know, that that is like you said a different conversation to have. You got a, what, 10-year vet in Tyrod Taylor throwing you the ball? Is he great? No, but that's not a bad person to learn from. And then Davis Mills can learn from Tyrod Taylor. Davis Mills was a a, a five-star guy. You know, I've seen a lot of guys high on Davis Mills. A lot of guys thought that it was either Kyle Trask or uh, Davis Mills for your Buccaneers, Hayden. And so I, I think Davis Mills has talent, but he obviously needs to learn. He's only got like 11 starts there at Stanford. But I don't think it's the worst scenario for Nico to go to 
in the NFL because he's sitting behind a veteran or he's got a backup veteran quarterback and then a rookie stud, you know, following in his footsteps. First, I want to say Tampa Bay has the best linebacker room in the NFL. I'm just going to say that. That room's loaded, man. Fuck that room's really loaded. <laughs> what do you mean? That room is loaded. Levante well, yeah, David, Devin White. Levante David's getting old. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. What, I, don't, I don't even remember what you asked me, Casey. What were you asking me? Remember, I'm not the NFL guy here. Don't ask me NFL questions. I probably don't know the answer. We're talking about college dudes going to the NFL. About Nico Collins going to Houston. I said that it wasn't the worst... I would have to reevaluate, but I can't imagine having Tyrod Taylor throw you the ball with Davis Mills backing him up, even if Deshaun Watson is gone, is the worst scenario in the NFL, like Wally said. So I'm just trying to argue against Wally tonight, really. Real quick before you say anything, Hayden, I, I mean, I totally can understand and respect Casey's opinion just because think of all the great wide receivers that have had success with Tyrod Taylor, like any Buffalo wide receiver. I, I mean, I couldn't think of any. Um, I don't know. I, that's fine. I'm sure Casey's right. Cleveland wide receivers had success with uh, Tyrod Taylor. Really can't think of it. That's okay. I'm sure we'll go to Los Angeles. We'll go to the Chargers. Ah. Uh, yeah, no, I really got nothing. Great quarterback situation there in Houston with Tyrod Taylor throwing you the ball. Or guess what? David Still what Mills. Uh, I'm actually not going to say anything because I want to hear what Casey has to say for. I never said that Tyrod Taylor was God's gift to earth. I just said that if Deshaun Watson, who's probably a top eight quarterback in the league now, doesn't play that a 10-year vet or whatever year vet in Tyrod Taylor is not the worst place to go to in the in the NFL. And then having a five-star, uh, you know, Davis Mills behind him is not the worst thing in the NFL. I would have to kind of gather my thoughts real quick to think of the worst. But you give me that, you give me that minute and I'll get you one that's worse than uh Houston. This is great because you have to take a minute to find one worse than Houston. The whole point I was trying to make is that I thought Nico Collins in the right situation could do well, and he ended up in a bad situation. If I said worse in the league, I wasn't trying to make it sound like this end-all, be-all that he's going to be a failure because I do think he has the staying power in the NFL. I just It's a bottom five job in the NFL right now, being a wide receiver with the Houston Texans. But, but what happens if Deshaun Watson comes back and performs the way he performed last year? Well, that, that is suddenly a top 10 job. You got an elite quarterback with that's produced at a high level, you know, throwing you the ball. And who don't really even know who the hell Houston has at wide receiver anymore. They lost Will Fuller, right? They lost Hopkins. To, they trade. That was one of the dumbest trades ever. But, like, I don't even know who the heck he has. So he could be a top three, top four receiver easily in Houston. No, you're right. He will be a top three or four receiver in Houston. But what I said, and I don't think that you focus on, is that I'm talking about in the world that Deshaun Watson does not take another snap in Houston. Because if he is there, I agree. It's actually complete spin zone. I think it's a good situation for Nico Collins. It's just a matter of I would be really surprised to see Deshaun Watson back in the NFL the way things are starting to turn out. No, I completely agree. But I don't think having Tyrod Taylor throw you the ball 
is the worst thing in the NFL if Deshaun Watson isn't playing anymore is is all I was getting at. Yeah, it's a bottom five situation. It's whatever. Not a big deal. Anyways, so last topic of the night. Jamison Williams. He is transferring over to Alabama. Ohio State wide receiver. A lot of people had high expectations for him. He's only had 15 receptions in his career for 266 yards and three touchdowns. He's 6'2", 188. He's prototypical. If you want an NFL size wide receiver, he's the guy. Now, he's going to Bama. He's going to elevate that wide receiver room. What do you guys think that this is going to do for Ohio State? Because this is a Big Ten podcast. We're not going to talk too much about Alabama. It will make them better. But either one of you want to take the reins first. Jamison Williams, his 15 receptions, etc. They're gone from Ohio State. What does this mean for the Ohio State Buckeyes? I'll take the uh, half glass full. Honestly, and I know it, it always sucks. He was a highly rated recruit, and it sucks always losing those guys. But... This just means that one of the younger guys essentially is taking his spot. You know what I mean? And they're moving Garrett Wilson back outside. So Jackson Smith, the jig butt can play inside. Obviously you have Olave still outside. So really it just comes down to a younger guy basically pushing him out. And I know it sucks, but like Wally said, he's only had what 15 catches in two years. And obviously he's, he's a burner. He has speed and he can really stretch the field, but I, I guess that just shows how talented the Ohio State receiver room is to lose a guy like that because it's probably a playing time. Before we ask you, Casey, what you have, what are you drinking tonight? I have to know. I have to know because I feel like you've been really ornery with us, and I feel like you're looking for a fight, and there's got to be Jack in that cup with you. Yes, sir. You are right. There's a little Jack with that coat. But anyway, hitting on the Jamison Williams, I – Man, I I saw the way he played in that Clemson game. I, he's a burner, man. He's a burner, and I don't know if Ohio State has that on it. it you know, in Zone Six, I, I I don't know if they do. You know, Garrett Wilson bumping out to the outside. I understand that you're trying to make room for you know Smith and Jigba, but Garrett Wilson was a freaking beast in the inside. You know, and bumping him out. Well, you know, I don't know if he's going to have the same success. So, I, you know, Jamison Williams, he was a guy that could take the top off of defense. That that boy was really fast. And I just think that, you know, I understand the move to, you know, put Chris o, or uh, Garrett Wilson out on the edge. I, I just thought, I, I just, I'm not sure that he has the kind of speed that Jamison Williams had. And that's why, you know, teams like Alabama are going to get him is because, he has that four two five speed, and I'm not gonna say he's gonna win the Heisman, but I mean the boy could be another, you know, Jalen Waddle. It, it it just looked like that for me, from from my perspective. He just looked like a kind of guy that had a lot of talent. But Haynes right, they the wide receiver room is really talented there. But my big question is, out of all of this, is where in the hell does Julian Fleming fit? From what I've seen from him, he's not a slot receiver. He doesn't have the quick twitch quickness that, you know, a Garrett Wilson has or anything. And so if they're bumping Garrett Wilson out, where is Julian Fleming going to fit in? I think he's going to be he's going to be in the 2D. I mean, he'll play. Obviously, Olave and Wilson are going to get the majority of the reps because they have to. I mean, he's going to be in that second rotation of receivers coming in. They're going to play. 
six, seven receivers anyway. You know what I mean? It's just the majority of that you're going to get Olave and Wilson. You think, Another thing I thought was interesting. that many receivers? I mean, in a full 12, 13 game schedule, probably. But another thing I thought was interesting was, and I, I, was re- I forget where I was reading this, but let's say Jamison Williams goes to Alabama and he just tears it up and he's on fire. You know, Buckeye fans love Brian Hartline, but is this the first time that they're going to look at him and be like, what the hell were you doing? Why, why was this guy not? You can also look at Ryan Day. Why are you not getting this guy the ball? Why is he not getting more targets? Because right now, Buckeye fans love Brian Hartline. You know, he recruits at an exceptional level. He gets great production out of his guys. But if all of a sudden this guy goes to Alabama and he puts up 700-yard receiving yards, are people going to start thinking about that a little bit differently? Yeah, I, I completely agree with your take. I think people at Ohio State right now are in love with Ryan Day and Brian Hartline. Those are the two top guys as far as, you know, Hartline's recruiting has been at an elite level. I, the best in the country for the position, especially. And then, you know, Ryan Day's production has been at an elite level as well. But I don't know, 700 yards is what you mentioned. I think he would have to go to like 12, 1300 yards for it to be like, oh shit, what the hell was Ohio State doing? But I, honestly, I I truly think that he has the potential to do that in Alabama. I think with Bryce Young, I don't want to get too much into Alabama football because we could talk about them for a long time too. But, you know, with Bryce Young, I think that Jamison Williams picked the perfect spot to go, but that's a, that's a great point, Hayden. It'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, how the uh, where where do we think Jamison Williams would have fit with Ohio State this year? Two after w- Wilson and like him him and Fleming were two on the outside. Yeah, I yeah probably I would think. I don't think any of the younger guys like I don't think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to get those reps over either of those two so yeah i would say so damn it there was something else i was gonna say and i forget what i was gonna say so i'm just gonna meet myself wally if you have something to say go ahead and say i'll try and think of what i was actually trying to say i don't know why i can't remember it yeah wally left us so um i'll continue talking because i'm really good at it i it it just confuses me as to why i I, i'm just still really confused as to why ohio state is bumping garrett wilson out i to me he seems like a jarvis landry kind of guy where he thrives in the slot so i don't know man i i don't know hayden i'd love are, are you not as you know bummed about this as what i am i i I just think jameson williams especially what he showed against clemson i just think he has the ability to just run past people and you know take the top off of defense when i I mean ohio state hasn't had that since devin smith i would say yeah i mean like i said it always sucks when you lose a guy like this but i I don't think it's the end of the world and i'm not saying that you say that is it really gonna hurt ohio state that incredibly much i don't think so now, when they if they run into Alabama a playoff game and he scores two touchdowns and has 150 yards, yeah, I'm going to be a little pissed. Okay, so that's that's my big thing. What's Ohio State's like? What's their goal, man? Because they run through the Big Ten nowadays. Are are they still comparing themselves to Michigan? Because yeah, you're going to beat the Michigans every single year because of the talent that you bring in. But it is beating Alabama, the Clemsons, the you know the the teams in the college football, is that not the expectation for Ohio State now, or is it still beating up, you know, the maybe top 15 teams in the Big Ten? 
because I think that having the ability to stretch the field with the Jamison Williams is extremely key to beating a Bama, Clemson, next year, Georgia. And so I just think that teams like Bama and Clemson and Georgia and Oklahoma, ah, okay, not Oklahoma because their defense usually is pretty poo. But, you know, teams that can take away something that's your strength and you have to do something else to counter it. And if you don't have that ability, I just think Jamison Williams provided that, you know, counter. And now, you know, now they don't have it. So real quick, I know you asked Hayden, so I'm going to let Hayden answer it as well. But the last thing I'll say on this is you ask about what the expectation is at Ohio State. I think that the expectation has changed. Honestly, since that 2014 season where Ohio State fans expect more than just Big Ten titles now. I think that was really... Really? You think that the expectations have changed? Do I think the expectations have changed since 2014? Yeah, because I don't think they have. Yes, I think that the national title or bus mentality has even been elevated even more. I think 06, or I'd say 05 to like 10, there was that expectation, but there was... A lot of like realistic fans in the background that understood that, hey, you know what? Florida really put the Big Ten as a whole, not only just Ohio State, but it put the Big Ten as a whole on this watch where it's like you're not nearly fast enough. You cannot keep up with us. And I think it took the better part of a decade for Ohio State to even get to that like realm of being able to compete for a national title again. So when they did win in 2014, especially with Urban Meyer still there, especially with the recruiting classes that he was bringing in, the expectation rose another degree. I think that started to decrease again up until that Clemson game in 2019 when they lost. Because that was the moment, at least for me, when I watched that game, it was kind of this frustration where it's you talked about we were cheated as a country about Ohio State and LSU, and I agree because I do think that could have been a really, really good national title game, better than that LSU-Clemson game. Everybody just said LSU would have beat anybody, and we will never know if they, they probably would have. I'm not saying they wouldn't have, but they probably would have beat Ohio State, but that would have been a better game than that Clemson Tigers playing them. That kind of, for at least me, changed a little bit of the expectation. Oh, my God, you guys can recruit at this level. You're not losing to Purdue's in West Lafayette anymore, at least in the last few years. You haven't lost in the Ames or, or Iowa City, I excuse me. You haven't lost in, the, in those kind of places in the past few years. I feel like if they play on a neutral field, you have at least the reason to believe that you can be a national champion again. So you asked if the expectation change. I think I absolutely do. And Jameson William leaving? Yeah, that's a bummer. And who is going to replace him? Taking the top off the defense isn't easy. But when you have a receiving core like they do right now, very young, but you have a receiving core like they do, I think that you're going to set up whoever ends up being the starting quarterback at Ohio State, that offense to be very successful. I still think the defense is to where the question lies. Hayden, but I'll let you go before you go back to Casey. No, I don't really have much more to add. I think he kind of, kind of I, I'm agreeing with Wally. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting with Wally on this one. I'm finally taking his side. <laughs> I just, I just want to know where, who, who, who's the guy that's going to take the top off, man. That's all I want to know because that's a key element to the game. Good teams can take away the dink and dunk, and Olave is the guy. Okay, Olave is the guy. He can stretch the field deep, but. You can easily throw a safety over him. Now, where's the other guy that can take a top off? I don't think it's Garrett Wilson. I, I would 
I would bet to say, and not to say it's slow or anything, but Garrett Wilson probably runs a f- mid 4-4. Four, 4-4-5 four. Four, four, is what I would say. And yes, it's good against Michigan, who doesn't recruit the way you do. Penn State, who doesn't recruit the way you do. Wisconsin, who doesn't recruit the way you do. But when you get to the big games, Ohio State has shown they just don't match up. And I think that, not that it's just the receiving core, but I think that Jamison Williams not being able to take the top off is is an, a, a little bit of an impact. I think it's a little bit of a hot take when you say they just don't match up. When they literally just beat the brakes off Clemson in a semifinal. And yeah, they lost Alabama by three or four touchdowns. But this Alabama team was all fucking century. I mean, they, they were a good team. So it's not, that's not anything to sniff at. I don't understand not, they don't, they don't match up. I don't understand what that even means. What are you looking at, Casey? You were shaking your head when he said he beat the brakes off Clemson. What do you have to say? That Clemson game was, I mean, Ohio State played the best game the United's played, including the 2019 team that I put as the best team since 2000. That was the best Ohio State game that they've ever played. Uh, that they played since 2000, at least. You know, I give them credit. They they looked really good that game. So I, I'm not trying to poop on them for that. But how many excuses does it does it need? Like, do you need as an Ohio State? Oh, you know, this Alabama team was the best team of the century. Oh, oh, okay, well, what about 2017 Clemson? 31 nothing, right? The no, but I'm just I'm just saying, man. I just the the NFL draft picks supports my argument because the SEC produces more talent than the Big Ten does, and it shows. Ohio State's not at an Alabama level, and I think, obviously, the 52-24 to beatdown that they just experienced proves that. That's all I was saying. Real quick, one thing, and I'll let Hayden go and give us the final word, then we're going to wrap all this up. The only thing I would say is that you bring up the draft. Yeah, Alabama's draft class this year was substantially better than Ohio State's. It's been realistically a lot more even up until this year. This was a really kind of an off year for Ohio State draft picks, at least in the last five years or so. Bama, yeah, you know, Bama had nine, but like Ohio State, they what? They had only like one or two in their first couple rounds where they usually have more. It doesn't matter. There's not much I can say because nobody can argue that anybody is on Alabama's level because nobody is. So for me to try to argue that is not possible, but I, that doesn't mean the expectation isn't that. So twice in the national championship. Yeah, and Alabama's won six national titles in 12 years. So, <laughs> like, if you're asking someone, if you're trying to put Ohio State on that pedestal, it obviously is not going to happen. Right, so, okay. And so, that my biggest thing... This conversation really sidetracked. It is. You're, you're completely right. But I'll, I'll leave it at this and I'll be done. Is that I think Ohio State is so focused on winning the Big Ten and being the best team in the Big Ten, which they have been, that they don't produce. I'm not going to say they don't recruit because they do at the level of the SEC. I, I just, it's just, I don't know. That's just my opinion. And it's, Really proven and, after the past and, year. But I would replace that with Alabama, not the SEC. Yeah, well, like Wally said, man, I don't think LSU is losing to Ohio State last year. As good as 2019 Ohio State was, I'm just not sure 
they beat the LSU team. Because Wait, okay, I, don't, that, well, that, I don't think Wally said that. I think he said LSU would win, but it would be a closer game than what it was. Well, what did I What did I just say? I, I didn't, you I just said, said LSU, LSU would lose. Oh, did I really? Is that not I what you said? I thought I said that LSU would win. And so, any, anyway, so that would be, you know, back-to-back champions in the SEC with Ohio State losing both of them. No, I was just going to say, this is a very evident, this is what the episodes, this is what our show is, and I love it, because the three of us were great buddies, we all have very contrarian views, we love to argue with one another, we're also buckled, this is three guys at a bar talking sports, Casey's, you can feel it, the inner non-Ohio State fans coming out, then you have the bias of Hayden and I coming out. This is what's going to happen. Hayden just since the anti-OSU Skype talk. We're both we're all going to have one last thing to say. Real quick, before we wrap up, I do want to just wrap us up so that it kind of forces us to quit here. So I will say this. That is going to bring us to the end of another episode of Pigskins and Nylon. That is episode three. We've been in contact with some potential guests, some big names. We'll see. We'll see if they end up coming around. So keep your eyes out for that over the next uh, or these next few coming weeks. We'll be back next week on May 14th where we have another edition of whatever we want to call that segment where we rank things. We'll send out a tweet earlier this week where we're going to kind of hint at it. Hopefully we have a name. Hopefully you guys can give us a name because we're too stupid to come up with one ourselves. And we're going to start looking ahead to the upcoming football season. We love all your feedback, so keep that coming. Keep the comments coming. Have something you want to see us talk about, let us know. Have something you want us to do differently, let us know. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter, at Pod, Facebook, at Pod. And Instagram, also, at Pod. Common trend, did you guys figure it out? It's at P and N pod boys. Any last thought from you? We have the newly engaged guy in Casey. We have the guy that missed a postponed rained out baseball game from Arcadia. Either one of you. Let's hear it. Also wrap around your thoughts on the Jameson Williams. Cause we could do that for another hundred years. Whoever wants to talk first, let's hear it. Yeah. So I really, and Wally talked about this earlier or no, he didn't. He talked to me before the show earlier. But we did talk about how college football was one big community. And before we did get on the podcast, um, I sent a text to Casey and Wally that Jake Ellinger, which is Sam Ellinger's brother, who also played football at Texas, apparently died just a couple hours before we started this podcast. You know, college football is a community. Just wanted to say we were kind of, I think we all were kind of thinking about that. So that's my final thought. Well said, Hayden. Uh, yeah, we're all thinking about the Ellingers at this night, especially that immediate family. That's terrible. Uh, Casey, I'll let you say whatever else you want to say. But ultimately, this is all fun and games. We do love doing the podcast. We love talking with one another. But things like this, what supersedes sports, we're definitely thinking about them. But Casey, give us your final thoughts as well. Yeah, well, well put, fellas. This was probably the most fun episode that we've had. I had a great time. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the Ellinger family through this difficult time. You guys, you know, hit the nail on the head. We are a college football family, and so we want to support, you know, anybody that we can. But other than that, you know, man, I'm excited to see you guys next week. And uh, 
So uh, that's all I got. Last thing I do want to say before I forget, I was watching a last uh, or a couple weeks ago after we finished up our podcast when I was editing it on Big Ten Network. They did the story of Adam Taliaferro, the newly freshman Penn State player that came in and he got paralyzed into Ohio State. I want to say way back, like 15, 20 years ago. It's been a while. And holy hell. If you guys haven't seen a fun, uplifting story in a while, try to find that. Again, it's Adam Taliaferro. Guy was given a 3% chance to walk again after he got paralyzed at Ohio Stadium in a blowout game like 20 years ago. And guess what the guy does? He walks out the Penn State Nittany Lion team from Beaver Stadium the following year, a year later. It's so cool. It's a great story. Do yourself a favor. Go check it out. Otherwise, this is uh, episode three of Pickskins and Nylon. We'll see you guys next week.